Uh, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Our God and our Father, we're so thankful that you have blessed us to continue to be able to assemble at this place that we might worship you in spirit and in truth and hear you speak to us through your word. We pray that as we study uh, some of the things that you have told us in the, in the scriptures that we will have a, an understanding and a, a ready recollection of the things that we can do to apply some of these uh, principles and precepts in our lives and we just pray father that you will continue to bless us in every way that you see fit in jesus name amen, amen. okay um, i always want to start out just by thanking the folks that have helped so much in making this happen uh, a lot of times when we come together we, we you know we see the lord's table up there all set and everything we don't give a whole lot of thought to how it happens how it gets there there's a lot of people behind the scenes that do a lot of things that make a lot of things happen. And I just want to thank Dee and, and uh, Joe for setting up the slides for me uh, and, and making things kind of flow in such a way that we can uh, hopefully get the maximum benefit from this. If we do this right, um, I, I want to, uh, we talk a lot about, uh, in, in Proverbs, the writer talks about my son, my son, my son. Uh, we don't talk a whole lot about our daughters. Uh, and, and being the father of a son and a daughter, I know that there's some real interesting and significant dynamics that go with uh, parenting daughters. And there's some things that we pay attention to and things that we really uh, could benefit from in hearing what God has to say about that. So hopefully uh, near the end, <laughs> uh, the whole uh, second chapter, uh, the seventh chapter of Proverbs is almost exclusively dedicated to the adulterous woman. So you get bombarded with all this stuff about uh, bad women. You know, in fact, uh, some of the information I got out of, uh, that I want to share with you at the end of this is, is from uh, a book called Bad Girls in the Bible. <laughs> and and it's, it just kind of lists all the, you know, the Jezebels and all that kind of stuff. There's some really extraordinarily wonderful women in the Bible that we can learn from and use as a model for our daughters, in addition to the wonderful mothers that we have, amen? And, uh, and so hopefully we'll be able to share that before the end. Yeah, Paul. Right. Well, Solomon should also, uh, what, what I say was that parents should also be parenting daughters. Amen. That does happen. <laughs> and bad girls in the Bible is bad juju. Okay, bad juju. But there's some good girls in the Bible. Some wonderful women in the Bible. We can learn a lot of lessons. In fact, it's very interesting that a lot of times when the, when the Bible speaks about good things like wisdom and knowledge, it refers to it in a feminine gender. Uh, we're going to talk about the ant today, hopefully. And when, when the Bible talks about, you know, go to the ant and look at what the ant's doing, there's a lot of wisdom that's there in the way in which they conduct and handle themselves. It refers to the ant in the feminine gender. And that's often the case. In the Navy, we often refer to our ships in the, in the feminine gender. It's because it's a, it's a passion, a, a certain endearment that goes along with the, the, the connection that you have with that. But as we talked about uh, Proverbs, there's been a resounding theme that's, that's resonated all through it in talking about uh, the wisdom of the mother and father. Almost every chapter says, son, listen to your father. Son, listen to the words of your mother. I think that characteristically, mothers spend more time with their children than fathers do. 
So a lot of times children pick up a lot of subliminal cues from their parents, from their mother. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes mothers only have to just do the look and that's it, you know. They don't even have to say anything. Or, you know, the, 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 the theme that really rings out through this is whenever you're doing anything, a lot of times you, you behave in such a way that is just so subliminal because of the, the lessons that your parents has given you. Like in the sermon this morning, I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but uh, our brother talked about uh, some of the things that happened to him. And in fact, he talked about one of the uh, little subchapters within uh, Proverbs that talks about you know, hanging out with bad folks, you know, and, and, and not to do that. But we learned that we can gain wisdom from, from a lot of different places. Uh, we can learn wisdom from children. We can learn wisdom from uh, uh, our parents, as, as, as the Bible talks about. But uh, the thing is, is that we have to uh, realize that while age can be a variable in helping us to become wise, just because somebody's old does not necessarily mean that they're wise. Uh, I've, I, I've had some, uh, some, some military leaders that gave me some really bad advice. <laughs> and you know, once you've taken their advice, and to a great extent, you kind of follow that because they, they have a certain amount of uh, influence and control over you. You take that advice, and the lesson that you learn is that was a bad idea, <laughs> and not to do that again. Uh, but all through the Bible, we see good examples. We see good kings. We see bad kings. We see a lot of things that we can learn. But it seems like it's very interesting. This is about the third time that we've seen them talk about the adulterous woman. I want you to think about that some, because there's, there's, it's, a, it's a more of a there's a lot more lesson there than just thinking of the, the female gender or, or the woman that's before you. But I think that when it talks about the adulterous woman, it talks about a lot of the, the evil practices that can come before us, some of the things that can get in our way. And so give, some, give that some thought. As we go through some of these uh, proverbs, pick out one that you know, it particularly appeals to you and write it down. Uh, I, I, there's another board that's going to go up back there, just words of wisdom. And I wrote down about six of them this week that I didn't put up there. Uh, but I hopefully will get them up there. Also, the Law Church of Christ Facebook page. Uh, there's a place in which you can, if you run across a really, really good proverb or something that you think of that's just useful and beneficial to the body of Christ, and just post it up there. I've got about two of them up there. I've got one up there that's for uh, Proverbs 6. I think I have one up there for Proverbs 7 as well. But I'd like for you to uh, just give some, um, some thought to some of the things that are said today uh, and realize that you know, these things were written a long time ago. Uh, and, and they were written a long time ago, and we see a lot of them are very relevant in our lives today. Now, sometimes we don't like to talk about these things, and, and it's really amazing to me some of the things that you see in the Bible. The Bible talks about sex. The Bible talks about killing people. The Bible talks about a lot of different things that people would think, ooh, how can that be in the Bible? Well, that's, that's life. That's reality. And we can run from that stuff, and we can not talk about it. And to some extent, we do have to show some discretion. Uh, some people get offended by certain things. Let me say that I, my intent never is to offend anybody here. 
But some of the things that we need to say and some of the things that God says to us can hurt because the truth hurts sometimes. And sometimes when God is talking to us, we see ourselves reflected in some of the things that he said to us. Some of us have made some bad decisions in life. And hopefully we can learn from those and pass on the wisdom of having made those decisions in such a way that they can uh, be beneficial to somebody else. So hopefully uh, the slides are ready to go. I'd like for you to consider chapter six. Uh-oh, volume? Hello, D. I don't know how to do the volume on this. I don't know if I could go back or not. I can't, oh, okay. Are we ready? Daughter, do not now, my son, and deliver thyself. When, when thou art come to the, the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the, the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, thou slugger. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide over her, or ruler, provide her meat in the, in the summer and gather her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O slugger? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, Yet, uh, a little slumber, okay. a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy His poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, an heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals, and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, 
Whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. Neither will he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. Man, that went pretty quick. <laughs> I, I wish that they put the numbers up there, but, you know, I can't really complain. Uh, chapter 6 of Proverbs. There's a lot of information there, but essentially it's, it's broken down into four different uh, areas. Uh, uh, dangerous promises. Uh, it talks about um, dangerous promises, uh, the folly. Uh, actually, it talks about lazy pers persons. It talks about the wicked man, and then finally it talks about the, uh, the uh, adulterous woman. Now, some of my slide got scrambled there, but you can look and see so those four different uh, things kind of discussed there. So let's, let's kind of talk about it. Has anybody ever uh, co-signed for somebody? What was some of the criteria that you had for that person that you co-signed? Has, has anybody had somebody co-sign for you? Yeah. So, so why do we need a co-signer in the first place? Why is there a need for it? Okay, so, so maybe you don't have enough credibility or enough credit or enough, uh, you know, standing in society to the extent where they can feel as though, yeah, this person can really come through with this. It seems like, though, that in life, I don't know if there's anybody in here that is completely, totally debt-free. And I know that we have our policies and we have a program that helps us to work towards uh, being debt-free. But for the most part, uh, throughout our lives, until we go into the ground, or until we're not breathing anymore, we're going to be in debt to somebody. Or we're going to be owing somebody. Or we're going to be paying somebody. Now, there was a time in which a handshake was good enough. Does that still apply? Uh, I think we had a president that talked about uh, trusting. He said, trust but verify. You know, you, I, I'll take your word for it. I'll shake your hand for it, but you're going to sign this document <laughs> so, so that I can come back and get something for you. So, I, and when I saw this, uh, uh, the, the scripture there talks about, he says that when you are indebted to somebody and when, you're, uh, when somebody owes you, uh, it seems as though the scriptures are saying, be very careful about that. Just, don't just enter into uh, uh, a legal or uh, a commitment to somebody without really considering it. I mean, and that applies to a lot of stuff. I mean, when you get ready to marry somebody, decide that you're going to marry that person for life. Amen? And when you enter into a contract with somebody that says, I'm going to pay you this money back, just make up in your mind to do it. And I think that that's what kind of what, it seems as though he's telling you to be cautious about it and don't just go into it willy-nilly and think it's going to be, you know, happen very easily. Uh, recently, in the last, I guess, 20 years or so, maybe 10 years, 
when they relaxed a lot of the rules on, on, on commerce and on Wall Street and, and they just kind of like let, you know, they just went crazy with, with making loans to everybody. I get, I'm, I'm retired, <laughs> so I'm at home a lot during the day. I get about six calls from, from people that want to loan me money. I mean, everybody's anxious to refinance my house. They tell me more about my house than I know about my house. How much my house is worth, what's there, and all that kind of stuff. But I think about that when it looks at, well, one of the things it talks about, it says, when you go into a debt with somebody, or when you enter into a contractual agreement with somebody, consider it like a gazelle in the face of a hunter, or a bird in the face of a hunter. So when I think about that, you see that, that cheetah chasing after that gazelle? Think of that cheetah as E.F. Hutton or uh, uh, Wells Fargo. They're after you, <laughs> OK? They go get their money. <laughs> yeah. ever loaned somebody some money and not got paid back? Yes. <laughs> Has anybody ever loaned somebody and not paid them back? Oh, no. <laughs> Nobody in here. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad to hear that, Paul. translation says if you have struck uh, hands and pledged for another. I think for, for Christians this should go both ways. If you loan somebody some money or somebody loans you some money make it a point to pay them back. Uh, if somebody owes you some money <laughs> sometimes you have to be you know uh, shrewd about making sure that they will uphold their side of the, the bargain. But the thing is is that when we make a deal with somebody we need to let our yes be yes. 
We need to let our yay be yay and our no be no. If you're not going to loan them the money, just say, hey, look, I can't loan you the money unless you get a co-signer or unless you get somebody that can back you up. But you're at the mercy of the debtor. Okay, I, I, I think this, when we talk about dealing with other people in, 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 a, in an area of trust, I think that we should probably look at that from both sides. Go ahead. Sometimes you have to be like that. Okay, so. Yes, yes, yes. I, I think in, in, in a lot of instances, in the way in which you handle yourself with people, it makes a difference in, in the way that they would respond. I mean, you know, if you go to them and hit them over the head and say, pay me my money now, you know, that's going to be a whole lot different than if you go and say, hey, look, how you doing? You know, can you give me a little bit now and maybe a little bit later? You know, I think that that's, a, a lot of times it comes back to asking that question, what would Jesus do? You know, I mean, I, I don't think he would go and, and get all up in their face and, you know, get all, you know, boisterous and everything. I, I think that the, the, the lesson here is, is to be very careful about going into debt with anybody. And if you do, like she said, be alert, be humble, do what you need to do and just do the right thing. Uh, you know, there's a, a whole lot of dynamics involved in that. How many of you signed a contract and you read every single word that's on there? I mean, oh, okay, good for you. I'm really happy for you, brother. Yeah. Okay. scary times uh, but I think that that's one of the, 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 the points here is he's, try, he's, he's trying to put a little concern in your hearts when you when you deal with somebody whether you're loaning them money or whether they're loaning you money just really think this thing out and work out a plan in which you can make this thing happen uh, in, a, in, in the right way and, and you know the scriptures say oh no man so go ahead Uh-huh. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, as I was saying before, you know, you can learn wisdom from a lot of different places, and God is telling us that, you know, we can learn from nature. We can learn from the things that are around us, the way in which things happen, the consistency of the sun rising and falling every day. Be consistent that way. Look at the ant and see how they work. Uh, uh, the ants are, are wise. What is a slug anyway? <laughs> and why does a slug have a, a, such a different rap than the, the ant? Be slow? I guess that's it. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, okay. Just kind of, just kind of slugs around, huh? In the D.C. area, how many are familiar with the slug line? Uh, we have, uh, we have slugs in this area, and some of you in here might be slugs. <laughs> uh, not the kind of slug that the Bible's talking about. But these slugs, you know, uh, are people that just wait in line and they jump in somebody's car and they ride in their car so that they can get through the the HOV line, the the HOV lane. Uh, I, was, I saw somebody's uh, car one time that, had, that, that, that was a, one of those people that picks up slugs. There was a sign on the back of the front seat that said, get in, sit down, shut up, hang on. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, but I don't, you know, the, the, the slugger in this regard is, is somebody that's lazy, uh, they're foolish, uh, they're idle, they hate work. And you know, uh, some of us have probably all come up against somebody that was like a slug. Uh, but the ant, on the other hand, is, is wise, hardworking, they persevere, they cooperate, they're diligent, they're responsible, they take initiative, and they enjoy learning. One of the ones that jumped out at me was, was initiative. They take initiative. Ants, you know, you can watch ants. I mean, the, the Bible's telling us to do that. There's a reason why. I mean, they're busy. They just run back and forth. And God has designed them in such a way that they pick up on communication by, by scent, by a lot of different ways in which they communicate with each other, but they're all working. And what came to my mind was self-actualization. Does that make any sense to anybody? Are you familiar with self-actualization? Reminds me of a story that Ricky shared with us in the pulpit one Sunday. He said, this is a story about four people Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. That was an important job that needed to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody, anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it, and it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Now, let's look at the, the Lord's church. Yes. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Really? <laughs> okay. I say that because it's the, the, the Pareto principle. About 20% of the people in the Lord's Church, or just about any organization, are doing 80% of the work. Some people feel as though just come in here, sit on the bench, hear a sermon, maybe sing a song. Some people don't even sing. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, we come here to worship God. 
I mean, you know, uh, and a lot of times people come in and say, well, what's the preacher going to do for me? What's the song leader going to do for me? Uh, and it's all about coming in and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You put out everything you can because God is good. Amen? And the thing is, is that there, there is much to do. There is work on every hand. <laughs> There's a lot of work that can be done uh, here in the Lord's church. Whether you work in the food pantry or whether you do the Monday night for the master, some people come in here, in addition to the folks that we have hired to clean up this auditorium, they just come in here and start cleaning it up because it needs to be done. And I mean, sometimes we can look around and see something that needs to be done and we just expect that somebody else is going to do it. Uh, and then when it turns, what happens ends up happening is nobody did it because everybody thought that anybody could have done it and nobody did it. So I'm, I'm just saying that to say this. All of us get a little bit of slugger in us from time to time, okay? I, I get, you know, like I said, I'm retired, and this is a whole different lifestyle for me than when I was working, you know, 24-7 in the military, you know, always on duty, doing stuff, running up, getting up in the middle of the night, uh, sometimes on duty for like 24 hours a day. What time we were at sea for like three days in a row with no sleep? Chasing submarines, but that's a whole other story. But but now, as a as a as a, a retired guy, I could you know Naomi comes home in the evening from teaching, and I'm there screaming at the TV set, <laughs> uh, which is a whole other lesson here. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, is that I just say this to try to encourage. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. If you're not doing something in the, in the body of Christ, if you're not doing something here in the Lord's church, there's plenty to do. I'm sure that the teachers, that, 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 that for the little children downstairs, they're always looking for teachers. They always need somebody to help teach down there. There's always something that can be done. And, and, and God expects us to be the ones to step forward and do that. So, now we're talking about the, the, the interactions that you have with folks, or in this case, is the wicked man. Some of you will recognize this picture. Uh, I think it's from The Godfather. On my daughter's wedding day, and you come to me asking for a favor. So there's some real shaky, now he doesn't look like a bad person, but we deal with people that uh, we need to be really careful about, that are perverse, what, is it, what do you think it means by the wink of the eye? What's that all about? Pardon? Okay, yeah, conniving. Uh, they shuffle the feet, they point the finger. They're just continually evil. This, when I read this, it reminded me of, uh, I guess, Genesis, the sixth chapter. When it talked about the people of God, it says that they thought of evil continually. Just imagine people that just sit around all the time thinking about evil stuff to do. And there are people that do that. Uh, uh, Manuel talked about this morning in his sermon about his father warned him to, to not uh, hang out with certain folks. And uh, apparently, he, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he ended up getting, you know, falling in with these guys. And some of the lessons that he learned from that, obviously he shared with us today, so I won't blow the whole story for you, for those of you that are coming here for the second service. But it just, it's, it's important for us to, 
to, to be mindful of just how evil folks can be. One of the most evil things that came to my mind beyond Genesis 6 is Jesus. He was an innocent man, the creator of the universe. He did no wrong to anybody. And yet, they wanted to let Barabbas go instead of him. The man was totally innocent. And then on top of that, the way in which they crucified him, crucifixion was one of the most evil, cruel, just inhumane ways that you could kill somebody. They sometimes hung up there for days, having stakes driven, driven through their wrists. You know, a lot of times they say the, the, the nails in their hand, but a lot of times they drove it through the wrist because they would hang them up there. And then they, they, the, the reason they died is they either suffocated to death because hanging up there like that, you couldn't breathe unless you pushed yourself up. But of course, you got that you know, nail in your foot. So it, I'm just saying that there's some, when you want to think about the most evil people in the world, think about those people that killed Jesus. And there are people out there like that today. And, 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 and the, uh, the scriptures are just telling us to be very careful about watching those things. And these are things that God hates. Seven things that God detests. Haughty eyes. Now what are haughty eyes? I had to look that word up, but if anybody knows. Huh? Okay, yeah, the word I got was arrogant, disdainful, you know, condescending, you know, that kind of thing. God didn't like that. So we, <laughs> I have to be careful about the way in which I look at people because as an extrovert, what you see is what you get. <laughs> if I'm feeling bad on the inside, that's probably what it's going to look like on the outside. Uh, and so God doesn't like that when we're disdainful uh, with people. Uh, and of course he doesn't like a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent, the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to, to do the wrong, a false witness. So what's the difference between a false witness and a lying tongue. You see a difference there? <clears throat> okay. And of course, a person who uh, uh, feet that uh, let's see, feet that race to wrong, a false witness that pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in the family. Now, that's a big one right there. Probably everybody has somebody in their family that, that can stir things up. <laughs> I'm not gonna call any names, but you know, I, 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 as a certain member of my family, when he shows up, his whole intent is to just start an argument. And to him, it's like, I don't know, adrenaline rush. And he just kinda like makes that sort of stuff happen. But we have to be careful not to be a part of that. Now this is the part that, that is gonna re resonate in, in just about every chapter. Well, not every chapter, but it re resonates over and over and over. We heard about this in the fifth chapter. We heard about it in the sixth chapter. We're gonna hear about it again in the seventh chapter. Why did the father put so much emphasis on warning his son against the adulterous woman? Excuse me? This is a real threat. It is a threat. And, 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 and what is the magnitude of that threat? Yes. Yeah. And in doing this, and possibly the person who's going to commit 
it is. It's 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 really hard to it's it's really amazing to <clears throat> even consider the notion that that a person is out there like that. And then the seventh chapter goes into a whole lot more detail about uh, that person that's just laying in wait for this young man. And so you have a young son that's getting ready to go out into the world. You have to be ready for that. Turn that over and look at the the young daughters. There is a lot of uh, human trafficking going on in the world. Uh, uh, when we lived in uh, Italy, there were a whole lot of women that were, that were from Africa that were told, if you come here, we'll give you a nice job. You'll be you know, a, a secretary or, or a maid or a, a nanny taking care of people. And they got there, and they found out it was a very different situation. Uh, in this particular instance, they called them the campfire girls. The campfire girls were called the campfire girls because there was a place on, on the Domiziano, which is the same road that, that Paul took going up to Rome when he, when he was uh, in that part of the world. But there's a, a dumpster out there that they always have a campfire out there. And these are women who came there thinking they were going to have a decent living. You know, some of them came there with education, and they get thrown into prostitution. Uh, and and, and that, that's, that's kind of a father's worst nightmare. Uh, to think that your daughter is going to be vulnerable to, 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 to evil people like that. But this woman, he says, don't lust after her beauty. She'll prey upon your precious life. It's like fire. It, it talks about, a, I don't know if it's six or seven, it talks about if you get fire on your, on your lap, you're not going to, you know, how are you going to keep from getting burned? Or if you walk on coals, I guess uh, Tony Robbins is the only one that can do that and not get hurt. But uh, he talks about his neighbor's wife. And anybody who commits adultery, it lacks wisdom because they destroy their soul and, and, and then they got to deal with the husband. <laughs> and the husband's probably not going to be pretty happy about, too happy about that. So, chapter 7. Let's hope the volume's on. The Proverbs, chapter 7. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot, and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him, and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. He is gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him, and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, 
she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. So, like I said, the, the adulterous woman is talked about a lot here. Uh, you would think that the way he's just pounding on us about this, that it would be something that would be, you'd be, you'd be terrified to, to go out in the street and see, you know, uh, anybody that looks like they want to approach you like that. Yes, my sister. Should you imagine what? Absolutely. By Potiphar's wife? Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous thing. People, people's lives have been destroyed. Uh, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and I don't know that it was the culture. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some rascals out there. <clears throat> I could use some much, much more caustic words to describe them. Uh, but uh, there's, some, there's some people out there that are just real predators. Uh, and, now, and again, when you send your daughters out there, realizing that there are guys that will tell them anything. You know, they'll, they'll sweet talk them and, and say smooth things. And, and the next thing they'll, you'll know, they'll be like those campfire girls. Uh, it just breaks my heart every time I think about those campfire girls who came to a place looking for opportunity and looking to do good things, and next thing you know, they're thrown into prostitution. Uh, and, and there's some really crafty, low-life, despicable people out there that would do that to somebody else. Uh, but, but it talks about the, 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 the adulterous woman has crafty intent. She's loud and boisterous, and she's everywhere. She aggressively pursues him. Here's what's interesting. She said, hey, I went to church today. I paid my money. I did my thing. So let's go get wild. <laughs> so I mean, you know, so, so what does it say? It's, it's saying that, you know, you, you can find somebody like this everywhere. I mean, I'm sure that if you walk, walk up on the church lady, you don't expect her to say, let's go get crazy. You know, and, and she goes into a whole lot of elaborate description. I, I got my house all fixed up, and 
Everything's smelling good, looking good. My husband's gone, he's got a lot of money, he's not gonna come back. We can just go crazy, <laughs> you know? But you know, you can apply that to more than just a sexual encounter. Although the Bible talks about sexual encounters a lot all throughout the scripture. Think of all the people who have been destroyed by just, just being toppled by like, like David and Bathsheba. Samson and Delilah, the first real honest-to-goodness superhero on the planet, and he got destroyed by a woman. So it, to, to, to answer, to, to just address what the Lord is telling us, uh, it, he talks about it as being like an ox going to the slaughter, or a deer getting entrapped by a hunter, or a bird that's going to get captured. Uh, just, don't go, just don't go down there. <laughs> if, if you stay away from there, you got a much better chance of of probably not getting entrapped in that. And so that's kind of like what the lesson is about the sermon this morning. He talks about his father advice to him, just don't go down there and hang out with those hooligans. Don't go down there with those loose women. And, and again, this was a church lady. There's a woman who went to church that day and said she did all her stuff so now she can do, do what she feel like doing. So I also passed out a handout because I know that this next slide, you won't be able to read it. I realized after I uh, put it up there that you won't be able to, to read it, but the one that I handed out to you is this. Uh, on one side, it's just a comparison between the virtuous woman and the uh, adulterous woman. And then on the back side, it's kind of the same sort of thing, but it's kind of written in more of a narrative form. But uh, uh, please uh, read uh, for next week uh, chapters 8 and 9, and hopefully we'll be able to get through the whole thing. Yes, yes my sister. If I don't, I will get you one. Okay. So thank you for your participation. Uh, that's the end of class.